This is Framed, a podcast where a group of friends get together once a week to talk about movies, what we liked about them, what we didn't like, and how they're made. I'm Elliot. And I'm Robert. This week, we take a look at Steven Spielberg's wartime classic, Saving Private Ryan. Okay. Saving Um, Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan. Do you want to give a synopsis of plot? Um, I'll try. I am, like, the worst with, like, keeping track of names with war films. That's Um, fair. So I will just be referring to people as that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Good old that guy, yeah. Uh, yes, so Saving Private Ryan is a World War II drama film directed by Steven Spielberg. Uh, it concerns a group of guys that land on the beach at Normandy, and then after upon landing, they're given a mission to go rescue Private Ryan because his other brothers died and they want to send him home to comfort his grieving mother. So this plucky band of soldiers is sent across the European countryside to go track down Private Ryan. Yeah. And... Hilarity ensues. Hilarity ensues. This is a comedy <laughs> through and through. Yeah, laugh a second. Uh, did you want to do the whole plot or just like boilerplate? Like I think, back of the box kind of synopsis. I think that's a good back of the box synopsis, and then we can just go through and and spoil things as we talk. I assume, like, <clears throat> if you're listening to this, you've either seen Saving Private Ryan by this point, or you don't care about spoilers. So. Yeah. Also, the film came out in ninety uh, eight. Ninety eight. So, so it's a 20-year-old film at this point. I think. I Plus, think, is there really anything to spoil in this? It's not like there's major plot twists. I mean, deaths. Okay, I, I okay. I guess there is like one like cinematic bait and switch with the frame story. Like, okay, yeah. Spoiler alert: we're crossing over here. That uh, <laughs> spoiler alert: people die in this. War. You're you're led to believe that uh, Tom Hanks is the guy you're watching at the beginning. By the way, it's cut together. Or at least that's what I thought. Yeah. Um, so, how many times have you seen this film before? I've seen it once before. This is my second time seeing it. Okay, so my family loves this film. Um, uh, probably to the point of, like, unhealthiness. <laughs> so I watched it a ton growing up. Ah, uh, okay. Um, so, that was something that was striking me. Uh, when I rewatched it yesterday, mm. um, was <laughs> I don't know if I'm supposed to think this is Tom Hanks or not because as far <laughs> back as I can remember, I know it's not Tom Hanks. Right. But yes, I I do think that because you cut from Ryan in the graveyard right to uh, Captain Miller. Uh, landing at Normandy, right? So. With with no um, no no context or title cards or anything to right. give you context. So, um, unless if you want to talk about the graveyard scene, <laughs> um, Normandy. Thoughts? Yeah, that this is like the, uh, the kind of the masterpiece scene of this movie. I think yeah. is the. the it's like a 25-minute sequence, them landing on the beaches, but yeah. it doesn't feel like 25 minutes. It's like no. so expertly cut together and just filmed. So I, I found out uh, yesterday that like Steven Spielberg didn't storyboard that sequence for the storyboard. He didn't storyboard at all for this film because this was one of three films he made that year. So he didn't have time. He shot oh. in between uh, one of the Jurassic Parks and Amadeus, I think. Uh, no, not Amadeus. Is it um, AI? No. AI was late, a little later, right? But I, I forget what the, the third film was. But yeah. because of that, he just 
he just didn't have time in and go he didn't get to location scout early he basically just showed up and went right in wow that's okay see when i read that like the way i read it was like he was just trying to be all machismo and be like i don't need to storyboard this i'm just gonna film it but it was literally (laughs) that he didn't have time yeah he's a big proponent of storyboards Mm -hmm. um especially later in his career he didn't storyboard duel um but he did do a like bird's eye view of the highway he made like a map and he like wrote out what happens at each Mm. like mile marker basically right and positioned cameras and that sort of stuff and it filled up like his entire hotel room wall like it went (laughs) all the way around the perimeter um but uh he didn't storyboard that and he said in an interview about that that yeah, uh, he just he was so new to filmmaking still he didn't realize the value of storyboards but he tries to storyboard like everything now so given that this sequence was not storyboarded i was like just blown away with how well put together it was yeah. like i guess they just got tons and tons of coverage and and got it together in the the editing room but he i guess he just like figured it on the day of where he wanted to put the camera and like what kind of coverage he wanted to get and it was it sounds like it was very like uh just kind of by the seat of their pants filming that sequence which just impresses me to no end um it's such a such a well paced sequence and just like yeah not fun to watch not fun to Um. watch no uh like yeah um not not just the sequence specifically but just talking about the whole film in general now um like watching this i kind of forgot at some points that i was watching a recreation of of world war ii battles like it's it's filmed so viscerally and like i think the shaky cam helps a lot with it to make you feel like you're actually there but like the way it's presented is just like so authentic in my opinion not that i was there obviously (laughs) (laughs) but uh, like you you know what i'm saying like it was just like very very uh uh realistically directed and that's definitely what he was going for he's quoted like in every interview he ever did about saving private ryan to say that he didn't want to glamorize war and he felt like right. there was so many films that just made war look all cool and you know fancy and yeah he, he didn't want uh it to to be portrayed that way in his film. And you think about it, like, the the movie is never, like, preachy in that sense. Like, it's never, like, beating you over the head with an anti-war message. It's no. still It's still an entertaining, like, war film, but it's not pro-war. Yeah. Which is an interesting kind of tightrope walk that this, this movie walks. For sure. <clears throat> um, yeah, so, I mean, I've only, like I said, I've only seen this movie twice, so I'm kind of coming from it from from that perspective like how does this this opening like storming the beach scene strike you since you've seen it so many times i mean it's it's a master class in editing like you were saying um but it's it's also just just so well done everything down to the detail they had two thousand extras um which when you think about costuming and giving they have uh 1500 rubber guns and then 500 working guns firing blanks oh wow um and they used the irish uh national guard irish reserve i think is what they're called uh for their extras Mm -hmm. and they said we couldn't have shot this. They were shooting in Ireland, I guess we should say. Um, you can't film uh, in France on the beaches um, easily. They've got lots of restrictions on what can be filmed uh, there. Interesting. Um, so Ireland just made more sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but they said they, they wouldn't have been able to film it with normal extras because like the the precision of military training and just, you know, being able to tell them U-12 are going to run here and then stop and just wait and or jump here or whatever. Like, everyone was always focused and ready to go. And all of the assistant directors who were wrangling all these people and stuff said that they, they just couldn't couldn't have done it without such 
organized people. And I totally buy that because when you watch it, it's so chaotic. And in order to create such chaos, you know they had to, like, be so well organized on set to get it pulled off. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, we, we are set up with, uh, we should say that we're following Captain Miller, Tom Hanks's character, through this right. whole, um, storming sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, and the beachhead that they landed on did not get any Air Force, um, support support yeah so all of the the machine gun nests and foxholes and stuff were still there so it was just a massacre when they got there right um but that also sets us up with the plot of the movie which is the 101st airborne ended up not where they were supposed to end up and they're out looking for a single member of the 101st airborne private ryan right um in all of france he could be anywhere basically So Um, I I just want to take a little sidetrack of something I noticed at this point watching the movie. Um, So it occurred to me that this structurally has kind of the same uh, shape as um, an Indiana Jones film. Uh, Interesting. How so? Well, so like um, in any given Indiana Jones film, you're just dropped in the middle of something that's already in progress and that's how you're introduced to the characters that you're going to be with for the rest of the movie. So you've got like an intro sequence that's kind of disconnected. And then once you get past that, you get to the plot proper. Mm -hmm. And I realized that this is similar because you've got the storming of the beach at Normandy. This is where you get introduced to Captain Miller and some of the other soldiers we're going to be following for the rest of the movie, but we don't get the, the, the mission to go get private Ryan until after that sequence is over. Yeah. I, don't know what, I don't know what this means, but I, it was something I, I was I, it, that jumped out at me because I was trying to figure out, like, you know, what purpose does this this beach scene, where how does it fit into the rest of the movie, basically? Right. I think if you're viewing it as a movie about Private Ryan, um, it, it doesn't fit in at all, but I don't think it really is a, a movie about Private Ryan. Well, but we it, the scenes used to introduce us to Captain Miller and well, it also sets up his storyline, which this is a man struggling with his humanity and mm-hmm. whether or not it's still there. And you watch him send knowingly man after man up the hill to their death. Mm-hmm. And you know he once they're they're up the beach and at the hill. He's he's up against the uh, the concrete wall of the bunker or whatever, and he sends three people around the corner, and he calls for cover fire, and then he looks out with his mirror again, and they're mm-hmm. dead. And he says, okay, you know, you, you, and you, you're up next. He's yeah. making the decision to send these other guys to their death rather than going himself, which he has to do as the captain. He has to, you know command and and keep a plan going but and i always like when they do the, that kind of thing in movies where we learn about the characters through action rather than being told yes absolutely so that's i think probably the primary purpose here is that we learn about captain miller's character by watching him behave rather than he you know i am captain miller da, 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 you know right so we get we get up the uh the hill we we take the bunkers um we see it it almost doesn't seem to merit discussion but i think we'll we'll bounce back to it later so we'll mention that we see uh german soldiers trying to surrender and allied troops just shooting them right um yeah this is a theme that comes back yeah periodically throughout the film and then um, th- then do we jump back to the States to learn about all the Ryans? Yeah, yeah, that's, it's at about the point where they, they get past the, um, the foxholes. Okay. Uh, we, yeah, we kind of transition back to the States. 
So, interestingly enough, this story was based off of a true account. Right. Of, um... They weren't the Ryans. I'm, I'm forgetting no. what their, their real names were. Uh, I think it started with an N or something. It starts with an N. Can um, I Google it real quick? Yeah, and then we'll cut out this awkward bit where we don't remember, and it'll look like we're just smart people. Nyland uh, or Neeland? They're called the Neelands. There we go. Uh, <laughs> um, so it's based off of a real family that uh, all ended up dying, and they they had to go and find the youngest brother and send him home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean that's that's the tag that started this script. Like there's there's no other. Basic, I mean, World War II obviously happened. It's based in history in that sense. But, right. Um, but uh, the playwright, um, Robert Rodat, I want to say. The screenwriter, yeah. you mean? Yeah, playwright. <laughs> well, Hi, I, I didn't know. If, was, um, was this a play? That, you know, I was like, is this a play to begin with before no, it was a movie? Screenwriter. Uh, screenwriter. Robert Rodat um, just saw. Uh, he he was reading like an anthology of World War Two like stories or news reports or something, um, and saw just that little snippet of you know three brothers are killed, the fourth is pulled out of action right. and sent home, and he's like pulled out of how how does that work? How do you find him? And that's what inspired the story. Um, so I don't know how, how you. Uh... I feel like Spielberg kind of goes into his uh, schmaltzy mode a couple times <laughs> in this movie. Uh, I, I want to hear what you think about because I think that there was a lot of that in this particular section of the film with the, you know, the kind of so- somber horns and sweeping strings. And what what was your take on that? Um. It's Spielberg. I feel like he can do it. <laughs> I feel like I'm okay with it. But clearly it didn't work for you. It clearly was it was a it bit was trying too hard. It was a bit much for me. No, I'm not not knocking the film obviously. Like this is a great film. This right. is it was just like I, I I don't know, maybe it's it's like cuz this is now a 20-year-old film, like maybe it yeah. was not viewed as sh- schmaltzy at the time to kind of put your movie together that way, but it kind of rubbed me that way uh not not to like the detriment of the the, the whole film, film yeah but, yeah it it definitely definitely is trying mm-hmm. i think it's trying the right amount Ellie okay apparently thinks it's trying too hard but that's that's my opinion. there you go <laughs> um so then we cut back to captain miller uh he's informed that uh He's got to get a uh, a little squad together, yep. and that they're gonna go and uh, try to find Private Ryan. Right. We um, uh, start to meet the crew. Yeah. That we're gonna be with for the rest of the. What's the actual military term for those eight guys? Like, it's not crew. I think it's a obviously. squad. Squad. Okay. Squ- yeah. Hashtag squad goals. Right? I'm pretty sure because a platoon is much larger. I think a squad... An advanced guard is a small group. A battalion is a large group that consists of three or more smaller groups called companies. Um, A brigade is larger than a battalion. That's great. Thank you. Um... (laughs) What did I say it was? A, a you unit? said squad earlier. I said squad. Let's look up squad. <laughs> squad, a small group of soldiers who do a particular job. Okay. So, so we'll say squad. Yeah, squad. I just did the hashtag symbols with my hands. Uh, um, okay. Let for, me for all you at home who are just hearing this audio. <laughs> Here, we'll get some good. Hear that? You, you didn't, Elliot, but I did it next to the microphone that's recording over here. So. 
They just heard a great little uh, finger hashtag right there. It there was you go. music to their ears. So um, we've got the uh, the squad together. Um, yes. And uh, they have to also replace a interpreter who died during the uh, invasion. Right. So we're introduced uh, to Plucky Sergeant Upham. Um, He's not a sergeant. Corporal. Corporal. Corporal Upham. Yeah. So I was like super distracted anytime he was on camera because I kept thinking, oh, it's the, that guy from Lost. <laughs> oh my goodness. I didn't put that together, actually. The scient- think, long-haired scientist yeah, guy from Lost. I, I think just because I've seen this movie so many times before I ever watched lost um i i think i always see him as this guy but you're right that's hilarious i mean like in general like i this is just a problem i have when i'm watching movies i will like recognize actors and be like oh it's that guy from that other thing yeah this movie was kind of like a a who's who of people who went went on to have careers after this movie yes I mean, a lot of them were having careers already, but... Well, I don't know. Tom Hanks, that was kind of an unknown before this. Nobody right there. Interestingly enough, um, Tom Hanks and Spielberg were friends before this. This was their first collaboration. Oh, I didn't Um, know that. And uh, they, they both were sent the script before the other one was attached... And then they found out the other one was going to take it, and they were like, I don't know about this. I don't want to hurt our friendship. So they called each other to, like, talk it through, and huh. rather than talk it through, they just started talking about how great the the script was and what all they could do with it. And they were like, okay, we're going to do this. Huh. Um, I didn't know that. But, yeah. Um, I should say, it's kind of late, but I should say <laughs> this this is a well-received film. I, it won a bunch of Oscars. Oh, yeah. Um, it, I think this was Spielberg's first best director. Interesting. Um, He'd been making movies like, I mean, we, we talked about Duel last time. That was like 72. This is like 25 years later. Yeah. (laughs) He's still going today. Still going. Just a machine. Um, but I, it won for editing, cinematography and directing. And I think it won for others. But I know it won for those. I can look real quick. <laughs> no um, more googling. But yeah, yeah. So, so, so Corporal Upham. We we meet Corporal Upham, who is not a soldier. Um, no, I I think this is another great like show don't tell moment, where we we learn about his character through like really simple stuff. Like he asks if he can bring his typewriter. Yeah. And, you know, it's just like little like just great pithy moments there's like okay we we know what kind of or like he's trying to gather his stuff and it's just like and failing at failing it grabs yeah. the the wrong helmet as mm-hmm. he's leaving right and yeah yeah and it, like just within like 30 seconds we know exactly like who this guy is so then nothing happens until we meet ryan 40 minutes later <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, I, I mean if you're gonna talk about like uh, value changes. <laughs> I mean, arguably, there's there's still value changes. But, like, in my memory, if you were to just ask me to, like... Like, obviously, I watched it yesterday, so I would do right. a better job. But normally, if you were to ask me, just, like, tell me the, the plot points of Saving Private Ryan, I would be all like, uh, he storms Normandy, he assembles a team, uh, they meet Ryan, they defend a bridge, the end. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, but... It's like an hour and 45 minutes into the film um, that we meet Ryan, and we're probably only like 30 minutes into the film at this point. Yeah. So there, well, there's so we've got all some scenes of, of uh, we, we sort of meet the rest of the soldiers. There's that scene where they are talking about Fubar as yeah. they're like kind of walking across the, the French countryside. Yeah, that was actually improv, sort of. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah, they uh, Spielberg had them improv just a scene talking about being soldiers and death, um, and he recorded it, like, recorded the audio of it, 
and he sent it to the playwright, the playwright, wow. The, <laughs> he sent it to the screenwriter, um, and the screenwriter then wrote up a scene using their improv like, dialogue and cleaning huh. it up a little bit, uh, which is kind of a cool way of doing it. That's things, a cool actually. way of doing it, yeah. yeah I've never... I'll have to put that one in my back pocket. Yeah, like, I know. Next I time, the exact same thing. I you want to like, well, get some natural cool. sounding dialogue? <laughs> Just have your actors uh, improv it through, and then polish it up so that it doesn't play like an improv scene, and uh-huh. you're good. Um, but I mean, he also had the advantage of being Spielberg and being able to, you know, send audio away and get a scene a week later and still put it into his schedule and be fine. Uh huh. Um, but, yeah, I thought that was really cool. And that's a good little scene. Um, it definitely introduces you to the group. It sets up um, the idea that the captain is an enigma and mm-hmm. no one really knows who he is or much about him. Um, and then... We arrive at the town with the sniper, right? Yeah, the town with the little girl and the piano. Yeah. I mean, there's a... Sni- yeah. <laughs> that scene. <laughs> Two types of people. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, yeah. Uh, talk us through that scene, Elliot. Uh, well, there's a little girl and a piano. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they, they get to the town. I think they meet up with another group of soldiers that are looking for relief and they're asking about Ryan trying to find out where he is um, and then there's some French parents that are trying to like send their daughter off with the soldiers and they're trying to like give the daughter back it's like we can't take her with us and in the course of all this uh, Vin Diesel's character who has a name I'm sure Caparzo um, is he Caparzo? Yes, Private Caparzo. Uh, the cast list in front of me. I'm cheating. He gets um, shot by the sniper in the bell tower. Yes. Uh, and then, yeah, he's like he's trying to give them a note to send home uh, to his dad. To his yeah. dad, and because he's like waving at them, not lying still, the sniper figures out where the other guys are hiding. Um, there's a fight scene I'm sure I don't actually I'm drawing a blank what happens next is is it Private Jackson who's the sniper the the guy who prays before sniping yeah uh, I think I, that's Jackson that's Jackson okay I I thought of him as Percy from the Green Mile. I, again, it's like I was like, "Oh, it's it's that guy from that other thing I've seen." He uh, he takes out the sniper, and then they uh, they run up to um, Caparzo, who's who dies at this point. Right. And, uh, the the medic Wade, I think his name is. Um, yeah, Wade. Takes takes the uh the note out of um no up him takes the note the medic just like cleans him up and then up him starts transcribing the note because vin diesel is all like oh it's a letter from my dad it's got blood on it now oh no um mm-hmm. so he's in the church scene um copying it over to a copying new piece it of paper over so that it's not not Did bloody. was this was this the sequence in the movie where they like knock over a board of wood and a wall collapses and there's a bunch of German soldiers hiding in the building or is that the next town they get to? No, that's that's this town. I thought that that underscored just like how how you know this their their situation just could change. Like you think they're out of it, right? And then, and then all of a sudden, no, there's a gaggle of german soldiers right there like it it, it makes the the like proceedings just feel very uh like tense. Un- tense and unstable like you don't know like at any given moment something bad something could, happen. could happen yeah, yeah. right um, so we get to the church um learn a little bit more about captain miller 
Yep. Uh, Learn that his hands are shaken. Yeah. So constantly. what? What was your read on that? Like thematically, the the shaking hands. Um, I thought that it was just another another layer to explain that this is a man thrown into war who's not cut out for war mm. and and watching what war is doing to him and how right. it's changing him right right yeah that was i was kind of there too like it it's uh like a like a a physical visual way of showing that he's like you know just really struggling with everything that's going on Right. On some psychological level. Um, because we never really explain it. It's just he's shaking. We don't know if it's... He's got some, you know, mental disease that's going to kill him in a week, or, you know, a brain tumor, or mm. if he's just stressed, or, you know, if his blood sugar is low. <laughs> we, <laughs> we don't cover it. We just know that he's shaking. Um, right. We leave the church, and we attack the machine gun nest, right? Um, no, they they get to uh, they beat other Private Ryan, the wrong. Oh, Ryan. <laughs> they meet Nathan Fillion. Nathan, <laughs> young Nathan Fillion. This is another part where I got like super <laughs> taken out of the movie. Yes. <laughs> Nathan Fillion always takes me out of anything he's in, though. <laughs> like, without fail. But, yes, the wrong, the wrong Ryan. Um, yeah. What, what, what was your read on the, the purpose of, of that scene? Um, like, I think that it, um, to me it was there to just kind of, like, give you a like perspective on just how like like impossible almost their mission is like to track down a a single guy like out in the middle of nowhere who happens to be named ryan like of course you know i mean that's that's a pretty common last name you know there's a high likelihood you'll get the wrong guy right and uh, i i felt like it came at a good point in the movie where as as an audience member, you, you're like, "Oh, great! They finally found him!" And oh, wait, no, it's that's not him. Nope, not him. <laughs> yep, they. Uh, I think the line from the film that Tom Hanks says is, "It's like looking for a needle in a stack of in needles. a stack of needles." Right. Yeah. Um. So we then move on to so the, the dog tag scene next where they get to the camp and they're like going through all the dog tags is that before no because they find oh it is next because they find out where he's supposed to be that he got scooped up to go and defend a bridge somewhere right there um, yeah they, they find out from the the hard of hearing guy yeah uh, which is another scene that just very easily um without being too preachy reminds us of of what we're actually doing and what war actually looks like because they're they're just going through all these dog tags looking for ryan and uh making jokes and having a good time and then then we look up and we see all these other soldiers who we're stationed with these guys and knew these guys and we're friends with these right, guys. Right, right. They're just, you know, calling out names and stuff and laughing, you know. Yeah, I thought that was tastefully handled. Like, these guys are, like, cutting up and just goofing around. And, and yeah, you see, like, how they're... What kind of effect that's having on the other soldiers. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Captain Miller kind of loses it a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, he starts to unravel a little bit more and right. uh, starts, you know, just asking random people um, if they know Private Ryan, um, right. including random French people and random soldiers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's getting pretty frustrated at this point. 
which works out nicely because it it sets you up for failure you know he's he's being crazy and and you think this is going to be a scene about him like going too far and losing it and people having to stop him but then he actually gets a lead he finds someone that uh knows who ryan is and where he might be i don't know what did you think of that scene i um i i don't want to like keep like nitpicking this film but i'm gonna go ahead and do it i guess (laughs) yeah you got to now i well this was like bordering on the edge for me of like convenient like we're at a point in the plot where we need to move forward and so so of course we're gonna meet someone that can move us forward yeah yeah it's like and that's fine i mean it's you know you you gotta have something like that to, to push them in the right direction right uh again this didn't like unseat my respect for this film or like my love of this film but i was just like yeah it was a bit convenient that you just happened to bump into a guy he's like oh yeah i know know about private ryan yeah but he was deaf so that's different (laughs) i don't know tell me i'm wrong uh, I'm an idiot. I, I don't. I can definitely not tell you you're an idiot. I don't even know if I can tell you you're wrong. Um, a quote by screen, not play, writer uh, John <laughs> August uh, is always convenience is great when it hurts your character, but terrible when it helps them. Yeah, um, right. Which I like as a movie watcher. I I agree with. Like I mm-hmm. I do kind of feel cheated if you know uh, ex machina machine from the gods just mm-hmm. shows up to save the day. Right, right. Um, I I want you know, but I have no problem with you know the the villain managing to be thought of as another you know prisoner at this tower with the terrorists you know um that is great and i'll accept that coincidence all day every day but when it helps the hero i get all agitated yeah but something needs to move them forward and it it wasn't like yep here's ryan and let's go home it was just yeah i think he's this way um, yeah, yeah. So I, th- I think everything up to this point was, you know, Tom Hanks asking whoever was in charge, like, we're looking for Private Ryan, and then they would get, you know, a lead to go somewhere else, and mm-hmm. he'd just kind of be asking. So the fact that he just kind of, like, throws himself into this crowd of, of randos and just starts, like, bugging people, like, seemed like, I don't know, kind of... I mean, it it, it did, like show his frustration with the situation for sure yeah uh like it it got that point across um but i don't know it's fine (laughs) it's fine (laughs) let's just move on (laughs) so then we get to the machine gun nest yes yeah the group discovers a machine gun nest they don't have to attack it they could move around it and still get to their mission my my read on this scene was, so this is how i remembered that the the dog tag scene was was previous because that scene ends with him pulling out the map and he's got his compass out and the rest of his squad notices that his hands are shaking mm-hmm. and he's like clearly like embarrassed about this so the fact that the the machine gun nest scene came next and like he's he's like kind of putting them in harm's way for for no conceivable good reason is like him you know trying to reassert himself as the captain and like earn their respect back i guess yeah um my read on it was a similar um i I would say that we've just lost uh caparzo and he feels like this mission is, is a waste of time a waste of time and he wants um, to do something. And he wants like, to do something of value. He wants to. He wants to say no. We're we're out here for a reason. Because I think at this point he probably thinks that Ryan's dead. Yeah, yeah. I think that some, one of the characters even says as much in the the previous yeah. scene. <clears throat> so 
I could see that. That 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 makes sense. That he's like, we're gonna get some like positive right we're accomplishment out of this. Yeah. Um. But of course, it uh, it doesn't go, it go seemingly. Um, and uh, the medic Wade ends yeah. up dead. Right. Um, well, shot. He dies in the group's arm, and we have a nice little. Um, little nod to the opening sequence where we watch the medics go around and if there's nothing else they can do for him, they're just giving him morphine, um, right. all the wounded people. So then when Wade, when they're all like, tell us what to do, what do you need, what can we do, what can we do, and he just says, I could use some morphine, like, mm-hmm. we know that he knows that he's dead and everyone right. else knows that he's dead. Without having to say it, it's just... It's just this gut punch. And another another thing that jumped out at me about this scene is that, um, you know, they're they're using all these morphine packs on him to you know ease his pain. And these guys are like out in the middle of nowhere, right? So they're like using all these resources on him to you know kind of you know ease his passing. Yeah, it, it kind of goes with the theme of like the film where it's like you know. The the needs of of one person outweigh the outweigh needs of many. Many, yeah. Right. This the Spockism, uh, of of this film. That... Yeah, you you you're absolutely right. We have that in a microcosm here of the needs of Wade is is more than the needs of the group. Right. You see it. You know the needs of this mom is is more than the needs of the army. You know, right. getting her her son home. Um the needs of this this captain to find his humanity in war is is greater than than even his mission mm-hmm. um which once we finally find Ryan we get into because you know he's talked at the end of this scene i guess we should say first um this sequence not really the scene he mm-hmm. he says you know, I don't know if my wife would even recognize me when I get home at this point. Right. And if I have to take a machine gun nest, if I have to take a beach, if I have to go and find this this private Ryan, whatever I have to do to get to go home, mm-hmm. I'll do it. Right. Um, and then he's he's presented, you know, 20 minutes later with what he needs to do to go home. And he doesn't do it. Um, so we, we're we always playing with the, is it one that outweighs the many? Because then Ryan does the exact opposite. He has the ability to leave, to go right. home. And he, and he, says, he decides no. that his the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one. Right. Is his perspective. So, so that, that theme being argued on both sides is continually happening there. Right, right. So um, we we take a German prisoner um, in this sequence as well. Do you ever wonder if this movie like takes place in the same universe as Indiana Jones? Like that that thought struck me when they get this. <laughs> no, this... but I very much want to hear your argument. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't have any like substantial evidence to support that, other than just Steven Spielberg's like portrayal of nazis uh, in mm-hmm. general uh it kind of like seemed like this guy was like pulled out of an indiana jones movie i mean yes um this that's character- not a not a criticism by the way it's just like this like eccentric nazi who talks he's, a lot he's very eccentric um but basically we're told he's gonna dig a bunch of graves, and then we're going to kill him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and he digs a bunch of graves, and uh, Upham is like, we can't, we can't do this, we, right. we can't, we've got to let him go. Um, or I guess keep him as a prisoner. I don't think he was saying we've got to let him go. Yeah, um, right. And I, and, not, not to jump ahead, but I, I really liked this this one-two punch here that's set up oh, in this scene. It's just, it's so I devastating. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so devastating. But uh, they, the captain 
blindfolds him, says walk a thousand yards or whatever, and then take the blindfold off, we'll be gone. Which they probably weren't, because then they proceed to have a fight. They have an argument. Bury people. Um, <laughs> but... He, 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 uh, he went off to go watch Steamboat Willie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Steamboat Willie. <laughs> so they, uh, they, they send him off, and uh, then poor man's, uh, Bradley Cooper. Um, <laughs> I, I don't even know the actor's yeah, name. Yeah, I don't. I know who you're talking about. The guy from Brooklyn. Um, yeah, says that he's gone and he's gonna leave and he doesn't care if he gets court-martialed. He's he's not doing this mission anymore, and everyone else is losing faith in the mission as well and saying, "I bet Ryan is is." Uh, is dead like mm-hmm. let's just go except for the sergeant sergeant hill i think his name is um who throughout the whole thing is is captain miller's right hand man unquestioning the whole time right um but we we definitely have a low point for our squad um and that's when tom hanks character you know gives his speech about I'm a school teacher and mm-hmm. I, you know, should be a school teacher, but you guys don't think I'm a school teacher. You guys have a pool, you know, thinking that I'm some crazy, you know, cool, intense job. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's wrong. Like, <laughs> I, right. should, I should be, I should be a teacher, but I'm not recognizable as a teacher and I don't know how to right. handle that. Um, right, right. So we go through this, um, whatever the guy from Brooklyn's name is. Um, <laughs> that's really gonna bother me. Yeah, we're doing so name okay. so okay. well with names. We can take but... another Google break. <laughs> uh, okay, give me a second then. <laughs> Edward Burns is the actor. Oh, okay. Uh, Private Reben. Yeah. He does look like Bradley Cooper. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, Private Reben decides to stick around. And then, is the next scene when we meet Ryan? Yeah, the the uh, they run across the tank yeah, that the, blows up, and then they just happen to cross paths with... Uh, yeah, your second convenience. <laughs> yeah, right. This one bothered me less, I guess. Maybe it was just the fact that we've already gone through so much to get to this point. Think it was uh, earned more? It was a little more earned, yeah. Okay. I feel like this was more of a reach because, like, uh, of, <laughs> of all the people to run into, we just... And, I mean, they they do it a fun way because all the characters are introducing themselves um, and... He's yeah, Ryan middle. just introduces himself yeah, in the middle. He says, I'm Ryan, and then we move on to the other guy. And then Captain Miller is like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> right. James Ryan from Nebraska or whatever. Um, Iowa, I thought. Iowa, yeah, that sounds right. Um, so we go back to the uh, the village that they're stationed at. The bridge. The bridge, and they, uh, they tell, um, uh, what's-his-face, Matt Damon, um, Mm -hmm. that he lost his brothers, and we see a very different reaction than we saw from, uh, Nathan Fillion. (laughs) Right, yeah, and that, that, um, is like a, uh, like just that contrast, because you have... Nathan Fillion's reaction in mind right. during this scene. And so like just you don't even really have to have dialogue, like just like that contrast in your mind like establishes like this guy's character. You know, it's like yep. And it's it's interesting cuz it's like you don't really have to do anything at this point cuz you have that like negative example to think about. And you you learn like by you know contrast who this guy is it's very well done yeah Mm -hmm. um 
And then uh, we we find out that Ryan's not going to come back with us. Right. And we're we're going to have to try to defend this bridge. Um, so I don't, I don't want to instigate another Google break, but was this bridge defense based on a historical battle, or was it totally fabricated? I think it was totally fabricated. Okay. Um, in in my research, brief as it was, um, because I was more busy this week than last week, um, I was able to do a little bit more research on Duel than this one. It's unacceptable. Um, I know, I'm the worst. Uh, but um, in my research, I didn't, I didn't hear of this being realistic um, based in history or anything. Um, I do know that they built this village. That's um, another thing, just sidetrack from the yeah. plot. Like, the, the fact that all of these sets were built... Yeah. Just like well, boggles... Well, because they had to blow them up. They had to build well, them yeah. and, and destroy them, basically. But, like, even the river, they built the river. They wow. they dug it out, put down a liner, and filled it up. That's, um, yeah. Man, so, it's just... I, I don't know, like... Again, it's that whole thing of like you're watching this and you forget you're watching a reenactment of, yeah. of World War Two. Like you just accept what you're seeing is like, oh yeah, they're in war torn France for sure. Yeah, it uh, they they ended up basically making two villages separated by the river. Hmm. Um, so the the north half was where they filmed the the sniper in the tower and the little girl sequence and all of that. And then the south half was the ending sequence. Yeah, it did strike me that they looked similar. Yeah. Not 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 a criticism, but just that like I, I wondered about that if if they were like part of the same set. Yeah. They were just filming it from yeah, okay. I mean that's that's, that's what I would do. That's exactly <laughs> what they did. Um, it's a little crazy in this era where we have two hundred million and even four hundred million dollar budgets on these, you know, superhero movies and that sort of stuff. This was only I say only, but this was only a seventy million dollar budget. And they did a lot. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, like when yeah, and I mean I don't think there is any uh computer effects in this like no. it was all practical as far as i could tell and i mean yeah. if, if there was any computer computerization it was to touch up right. stuff but yeah no I, that's that that is impressive that they did this for a relatively cheap amount oh um, but yeah so what were your thoughts on this this big final battle you can talk about your one two punch and all of that good <laughs> stuff well yeah um that yeah i guess like jumping ahead to the end for that like the steamboat willie shows up again mm-hmm. uh and it's like a great um again it's it's like a microcosm of like the tom hanks plot what happens to upham that he starts off like idealistic and kind of naive about war like we see in the the beginning in the machine gun nest scene where he's like we shouldn't kill him this is wrong you know and so on and so on but then by the time he gets through this battle to the other end and they're taking prisoners and this not only did this guy like you know double cross them but he's like he's like oh hey man what's up (laughs) and so he's just like i'm yeah you're dead Yep. And it's like it's like it shows his like I don't want to say downfall of his character, but just like it shows like what the war does the arc of it, yeah the yeah. what it, what war does to to people, um, yeah, just really really great filmmaking. So, like, what was your opinion of the character of Upham? Um, he yeah I don't know I mean he seemed he was very realistically written. Yes. In my opinion, I could believe that this w- could have been a real person who frustratingly like, so. Like, yeah, like the he's, he's not, not he's not he is not an Indiana Jones right, character. Right. He's not acting like the movie star we want him to act like, you know. Right. No, he he, he does some pretty cowardly things in this sequence. Yep. Like he does not give get the ammo where he it needs to go. Ammo. If he just walked up the stairs, he could have saved his. He could have saved their lives. Yeah, but, but yeah, he just he fails again and again and again. 
Right. And so, yeah, he doesn't, yeah, and it's like, I think that that's good, because it's like, it's not an action movie in the sense of like, you know, serialized Indiana Jones Dun, 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 dun. It's like right. it, this is this is like meant to be a realistic portrayal of war. So you have these kind of characters who don't fully develop in positive ways. It's like they they fail, they screw up, and you know they they change over the course of the story. But it's not like a neat little bow mm-hmm. tied up where it's like, oh, this scene was here so that they could like succeed at this task. You know, it's kind of the opposite. It's right. Like, you know. It's this scene is here to show their humanity and how they they fail. Um, yeah, so I I like I I liked his character. I liked that he was like kind of, you know, next to Tom Hanks, probably the most prominently featured character. Yeah, he in this. he was a very well written character. I still hate him. Um, <laughs> you don't sympathize. No, I completely sympathize. Um, I would be up him, but... Mm. Oh, but yeah, me too. That, that's that's why I hate him, you know? Because you want to believe that you would, you know, be the hero and save all your friends, but you're reminded with up him that, no, you probably wouldn't. <laughs> you, right. You wouldn't be amazing because most people aren't amazing. Right. Um, so just jumping back a little bit, I wanted yeah. to specifically talk about like the build-up to this battle scene which probably next to the the fight on the beach at the beginning this is maybe my favorite section of the movie um just because the the build-up is handled so naturally like i this is another instance where like the dialogue is just like outstanding Mm-hmm. Where these guys are just kind of sitting around waiting for the battle to start, and yeah, know, with the record little, player working. Yeah, the record player is a great touch. Like to have that music going in the background, you get a lot of little cool stories from the characters. Like you learn a lot more about them. Ryan, especially. Um, I don't know, just something about the way that this sequence is paced. Like it doesn't feel like padding. Like yeah. it feel it feels like earned character development moments. Yeah, it, uh, it, I think, and I know you don't completely agree with this, and that's all right, but I think the entire film is paced very well. I think the editing on it is aces. Um, oh, I, did I say it wasn't? Well, I'm, I know that we have some, some moments of Spielberg being Spielberg, oh. with, you know, that was and oh. horns and <laughs> <laughs> no, that that was that was more a, a gripe against the tone, not not the pacing. So you didn't think that those moments slowed it down? Oh no 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 that no sorry that's not what I was saying. I was okay. like the, I felt like the schmaltz was a bit thick. Like okay. the, the in terms of aesthetic, like it was a bit like uh, I I don't know like but pacing wise no no I thought the, yeah I totally agree the pacing is like extraordinary yeah. in this it does not feel like a three-hour movie no not at all um in fact i didn't even know it was a three-hour movie and i've watched it <laughs> i don't know how many times i thought it was like two hours and 20 well minutes. even just that op- i know i said this already but you know that opening sequence that's like almost 27 minutes long but yeah it does not feel like it like no. it's just expertly handled yeah it uh it's incredible the the whole film is a masterclass in editing and pacing. It's just very well done. And I don't know like what Spielberg did right exactly. I was trying to put my finger on it, and I was never <laughs> able to like figure it out. Because normally, like I hate shaky cam stuff. Like I just think it's like an annoying like yeah. gimmick that makes the movie hard to look at. But for whatever reason, it worked for me on this. Like anytime we went to a battle scene and we went to like really intense shaky cam yeah i think because shaky cam especially nowadays is usually used to hide something Mm. um the hunger games i don't know if you've seen the the first hunger games film i have um but the the ending like fight with the monstery things right before they get up on the horn and eat the the, threatened the berries. berries yeah um it's super shaky cam Mm -hmm. and 
it's because the fight choreography is terrible and it's not executed well and it's it's just it it's bad and even right. like captain america winter soldier um, yeah if right. you frame by frame the fights it it's like insane how little sense they make like people will have like a knife in an open hand ready to attack and like slap someone instead it just it it makes no sense but because of the shaky cam and quick edits you don't like, notice you don't notice yep. whereas this it's not hiding anything everything is practical and well done and you still see everything so it's not being used to to hide anything it's being used to draw attention to things right right um so i think that's why it works in this case yeah um but yeah so basically we're then treated to probably another 20 to 30 minute sequence excellent set piece that's just of everyone dying yeah other than up it's a downer (laughs) and ryan and ryan they're like the two that are left and random brooklyn guy um (laughs) uh this is this is not a complaint this is just an observation but i was expecting the bridge to blow i had forgotten that it didn't like yeah that would have been like cheesy uh like expect like I think lesser directors would have gone for like, and then we blow up the bridge, and then the bridge blows up. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. It, Again, it, it goes back that... to that that idea of like failed expectations, maybe. Mm-hmm. Like this is like war being portrayed. This is not like happy movies that we're mm-hmm. we're watching right now. It's like this is meant to be realistic. So here's my question for you. Yeah. Did you find him shooting at the tank with his pistol and then it blowing up cheesy? A bit. Um, yeah, okay. Because that <laughs> is the one moment that I was also like, okay, really? So he's shooting at it and then the bomb drops at the exact second and we like believe for a second that he... That he actually it shot it. Pistol. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like... I Yeah, I don't want to rewrite this and be like oh they should have done it this way right. I, I mean it is what it is it's like the 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 planes show up when they do and it's like, yeah it, it i guess it's a little cheesy that you're you're led to believe for a moment that he like shot the tank and blew it up with yeah. his little pistol but uh i don't know i mean probably my least favorite moment in the whole film and it wasn't even that bad so yeah that, yeah that tells you my opinion of the film right we're there. totally nitpicking at this point for sure yeah, like, um, wait, I mean, there's just, like, so many, like, expertly done, like, just just moments throughout, like, the preceding 20 minutes of battle that we get here. Something else yeah. I wanted to say that I thought was a really cool moment uh, is when um, the sniper guy is, like, shooting from the tower and we see the tank just kind of, mm-hmm. you know... Tick, 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 just, like... Yep, it's like, coming. Oh, it's coming. Yeah, he's a goner. Yep. Uh, so sad. Sad. I like that character. He was probably my favorite character, yeah. actually. I, I really like that character. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so then we we jumped back to the graveyard where we started. Um, oh, 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 so I got to rescind what I said earlier about there being no CG in this movie because we get the, oh, the aging yeah. effect. That we was actually the, like nicely done. The, the shooter or whatever... The, a movie came out like three years ago or whatever where a time traveler goes back to kill himself or something. Do you um, know what I'm talking about? Looper? Is it Looper? I think it's... You're talking about the one with Bruce Willis and, and yes. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, it's Looper. Yeah, Looper. Okay. Yeah. So we get the Looper effect before Looper with the, the one person morphing into the other person. Can I, can I just say, like, this is a side rant that, like... There are certain movies, and this is one of them, this this moment right here, where I think that, like, they were able to do more with less, and, mm-hmm. like, they, they worked really well within the limitations of, like, computer graphics at the time, and, like, to a point where, like, you, that scene has not, like, aged, no pun intended. At all. That yeah. scene has not aged yeah. at all. Yeah, like, that still looked really good. For sure. Um, 
And then uh, we we find out that well before we we flash there um, as Captain Hill is dying. Miller. He Miller, not Hill. That's a different <laughs> character. Um, as Captain Miller's dying, he says, "Earn it, uh, earn it." Mm-hmm. Um, so then we have a, a sad little scene about. Uh, Private Ryan wondering whether or not he has earned it, and right. then the movie ends. <laughs> yeah, which I it, yeah it kind it does kind of fold in nicely with what we were saying earlier about like he, like living up to expectations and like whether or not you failed. Yeah. Um, we we're we're not told anything about like how he lived his life. It's right. clear he he had a family and. Right, that's about all. That's know. about all we he, know. <laughs> he has descendants. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's like, but it it felt like a very human sort of thing to wonder about, like, yeah, especially if you'd you'd gone through something like that to to ask yourself, like, was it, did I deserve it? Hmm. No, that the ending always gets me a little bit. I'm yeah, a little emotional there. I got I got a little teary eyed at the, yeah. at the ending. Um. Yeah, this is just a yeah. phenomenal movie. This it's is Spielberg so at the well height of done. his powers. It really is. Um. So even with our editing out us being um, foolish, we're probably <laughs> approaching an hour, which is yeah. where we want to wrap this up. So, uh, final thoughts. Uh, must see movie. Must see. I don't. So. Does it go on is, the desert island? Is it going to the desert island with you? That's the question. I think I would need to ask myself how many I'm allowed to take with me. Yeah. <laughs> this would be in the this would be in the running for sure. Like so I, if you're allowed to take ten, would this go? Maybe I'd have to give it some thought. <laughs> what if you were allowed to take twenty? Yeah, yeah. If I were allowed to take okay. 20, this would be in the top 20. Okay. Um, I would say it's a must-see. I don't know if I would take it to a desert island, even if I was allowed 20. Um, just It's not, it's a, not a very happy movie. That's what I was going to say. It's like, it's not a... Uh, if you're stranded on a desert island, this would not be a great pick-me-up. Right. Uh, um, but as far as just, like, cinema doing what cinema can, it's... It's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, man. Well, thanks for chatting with me. Yeah, it was fun. Next week is is lighter fare, for sure. Yeah, next week is Indiana Jones? Yep, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Perfect. Arguably one of the best movies ever made. Yeah. I don't Um, think there's going to be a Desert Island uh, debate over that one. Yeah, (laughs) no, it probably... Well... I guess we won't spoil anything. We'll wait. <laughs> I'll open next week saying, This is terrible! <laughs> he doesn't do anything! <laughs> yeah, so Brennan is not going to be back for this one, correct? It's just going to be the two of us again? Um, he, he said he might, might be back. Be. He said he might be back in time. Okay. So we will see. All right. All right. Thanks for podding with me, man. Yeah, it was fun. Bye. Bye.